There's over 7,000 islands in the Philippines. It's so pristine and so beautiful that you want to keep it secret. I've not seen anything like it. I've got tingles as I'm talking. Hi, I'm Emma and this is Trip Report. This episode is all about Marie's trip to the Philippines in late 2019. She talks to me all about the amazing islands. I find out why some islands are out of bounds to all humans, and she tells us lots of tips for travelling through this interesting country. But before we get into this week's episode, I have to let you know two really exciting bits of news for Trip Report that I know you won't want to miss. First off, I have launched a great freebie for you guys. It's a roundup of amazing travel products that I've sourced from around the web. All of them are either tried and tested or on my want list to buy for the future. And I promise you will find at least one thing in there that even the most experienced traveller won't have seen before. There's eco-conscious items, items that help with comfort whilst travelling, items that help with travelling with kids, some super cool things. And one of these things is in the second bit of news I have to tell you about. Very soon, I will be launching an amazing competition for some awesome swag bags that some of you lucky listeners will win. In these swag bags are some super cool travel-related items. If you want to have a sneak peek of what's included, make sure you head over to my Instagram, at TripReportPodcast, and check out the highlight, Win This. And I'll put links to the brands involved in the show notes below too. You honestly don't want to miss this competition. So to get your free 10 travel items you didn't know you wanted and find out about the competition, head over to tripreportpodcast.com forward slash Marie. And so on to the Philippines trip report. Marie is a yoga teacher, empowerment coach and author. Her trip was a last minute spontaneous trip with a group of friends. She talks to me about what it was like traveling with three guys and making sure she found time for herself while traveling with a group the surprises she found from the Philippines and what she'd do differently if she went again. Welcome to the podcast, Marie. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Very excited. So you went on a trip to the Philippines for two months from December 2019 to January of this year. Can, can you start by yes. telling us who you went with and why you picked the Philippines? Yeah, absolutely. So I went away with three guys. One of them was a very good friend of mine and the other two were friends of his. One I knew quite well, the other I literally met on the evening we booked it. Two of the guys had had it planned for a long time and I was actually a part of my life where I was trying to buy a flat, that fell through, all sorts were going on. I was living in temporary places, felt like I was moving every fortnight and um, I think I was feeling a bit down at the time, it was last summer. And I was over at my friend's one evening and the guy that he had booked the trip um, with was there. It was the first time I'd met him. And after an evening of talking about it and the fact that I love travel, they turned to me like, why aren't you coming? So within seconds, they were looking up flights for me. (laughs) Um, Their flight was booked. Um, They were going from Gatwick, um, but they found something for the same price from Heathrow, which was closer to me. Do I want to go? Which, of course, my answer to that was yes. (laughs) um so within minutes of that my card was somehow in my hand and I was passing it to my friend and he booked it and the guy that I just met that evening just looked from me to him and back again and was like did that seriously just happen <laughs> so but that's quite normal for me I do love to travel and I think it's very rare that I say no to a trip so yeah it was pro- probably not something that extravagant that would come around that quickly but yeah I rarely say no 
And so whilst I hadn't set out that evening to book a trip to the Philippines, they already had it planned. And I'd also not been able to go to a friend's wedding probably about four years before. She was from the Philippines. Her partner's Canadian and they were both going back there for the wedding and I wasn't able to make it. So I'd always wanted to go. And so it just was like, this is a yes moment. Yes, let's book it. Let's do it. So yeah, I think that was last August. And yeah, we flew in December. Wow. So did you have a lot of planning to do? How did you begin to plan and budget for it? So um, planning was pretty much non-existent. Um, We did most things on the fly. I think the only thing we did ahead of time was book our first night's accommodation in Manila because our flight was going to get us in late. Other than that, we pretty much booked the next piece of accommodation as we were leaving the one prior. So we, we booked everything along the way, which made me a bit nervous. I'm quite happy with spontaneous travel like that, but because it was December and we were going to be traveling over the Christmas period and those sorts of things, that did worry me, but it, it actually worked out. So, um, you know, you need, you need good Wi-Fi when you're going to plan a trip like yeah. that. So that, uh, and we didn't always have that. So there were a few stressful moments from, from doing it that way. And of course, we spent more money doing it that way as well. Had we booked everything in advance, we would have saved ourselves some money, particularly on some of the internal flights that we took. Um, because where we would, because there were four of us on the trip, where we would deliberate plans as we were going, it sometimes meant that we were watching the flights go up. And it was like, come on, let's make a decision before we're adding another 20 quid to a flight as we go. So we would definitely have saved money if we'd booked it all in advance. Um, But there was also a lot of fun in in doing it in a spontaneous way like that as well. Yeah, sure. So you got to Manila and you had your first night of accommodation booked. And then what did you do for that first day? So that was the first time the four of us had come together. Even though I'd met all of them beforehand, we hadn't come together as a group of four before flying mostly because we all have crazy lifestyles um but it just didn't work out we kept saying we would but we wouldn't so when we first arrived in manila it was a bit of a chance to have a chat about what do we want to do on this trip (laughs) and we did that whilst we just walked around for the day literally just left our accommodation and wandered just to take in the sights the noise, the difference. Um, One of our friends hadn't really travelled for years, so it was quite funny to watch him, watch how out of his comfort zone he was, but also how that changed over the trip. Like, we were all really supportive of each other. A few of us have travelled a lot, but this particular friend hadn't, so it was really interesting to see him change. But we literally spent the day in Manila just as a stopgap before we got our connecting flight over to um, Palawan, which is the main island where El Nido is, which is the most well-known place in Palawan. So we didn't spend a lot of time in Manila. um, So there's not an awful lot I could tell you about that, other than when you're getting taxis, make sure you barter and and barter really well, because it's it's amazing the difference in in the prices. But, you know, Manila has everything you need. It's a huge, busy city. And it wasn't somewhere that we had much of a chance to see. Mm -hmm. And I think if people want to spend time in Manila, it's really good to have a look at the different areas um, because it contrasts so much. 
and there's much more of a metropolis there than I had ever thought there would be. So if I was to go back to the Philippines, I would definitely spend maybe two nights in Manila just to get to know the place a bit more. So what was Palawan like or El Nido? Oh, Palawan is amazing. So one of the, the, there's over 7,000 islands in the Philippines. (laughs) And yeah, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, I knew that there were a lot, but I had no idea quite how many, but also how big some of them are. And Palawan is huge. So we flew into the airport at Puerto Princesa, which is in the south. Mm -hmm. And again, just spent a night or two there similar feel in terms of the busyness and um, you know tuk-tuks everywhere and taxis and everyone staring at us there weren't that many um, tourists there I was quite surprised actually and so we spent the day uh, just traveling to a couple of different beaches but there wasn't anything there that really drew me but we we used it as a base to decide what to do next and one of the things that one of the guys had looked at for a long time was going off to do a boat trip further south and like a fisherman's catamaran type boat um, off to remote islands. And some of the islands are almost closer to Malaysia than they are to the Philippines. So some of the stories I'd heard were a bit like, you know, they are so remote, you don't know what you're going to find. Um, One of the islands I know is off limits because of saltwater crocodiles. Wow. (laughs) So I didn't tell my, even though I, you know, I'm 40 now, so I was only 39 when I travelled, I still didn't tell my parents too too much before (laughs) I went, because I didn't want to worry them with all these things I was hearing. But when you look at the photos, they are so remote, I just knew that we would have space like I've never experienced travelling. I've travelled a lot, but there's always people. And so the idea of being able to go somewhere where it might just be us and the people that live there really appealed to me. So we all decided that that was what we were going to do. And we just used a local travel agent to help us with that. Okay. And they took everything out of our hands. It was fantastic. So all the food was included, um, the transport from Puerto Princesa um, south to pick up the boat, which was a five hour drive that was included and then accommodation. I wish I'd been a part of that conversation a bit more because I think I must have mentioned rustic and that's not always the best word because we ended up camping, which is fine. I love beach camping. I lived in Australia and I used to camp a lot on the beach. It was fantastic. But we spent a lot of money on our camping here in Australia. And when you, when you don't sort of specify what you're looking for, the tents that we had, I can only describe as, you know, the small ones on the beaches that you might have for your children. <laughs> yes. They want to stay out of the sun. <laughs> now I'm five foot four, so I can just about manage to fit in, in, in one of those. But the guys, two of them were really tall. So they were sleeping with their feet outside and stuff like that. At night. So <laughs> yeah, we probably should have got a bit more involved with that conversation, but it was, it was fun. So the, the four of us, I think we got picked up at like four o'clock in the morning. No, I tell a lie, sorry. We got, we got picked up at one o'clock in the morning. We arrived at our destination at four o'clock in the morning. And so it's so dark. There's no street lights. There's nothing around but trees, thick jungle-like trees. So, you know, very different to what we have in the UK. 
and then we waited for the boat to come in as the sun just really gently sort of started to lift and and just lit the horizon a touch and it was just amazing the warm air around you just watching this boat come in all the other fishermen going out to do their day's work um and then to look at this boat and thinking we don't know where we're going how sturdy is it we've got all our belongings um, and the guy's getting a bit more panicky than I was, thinking, is this for real? But we, we jumped on it. And by the time all the food was put on and all our belongings and we got our life jackets on and got going, the sun was quite, uh, um, you know, about six-ish, quite high in the sky then. And so our day off to, or our journey off to these remote islands started with island hopping. And these tiny tiny islands and some of them just sandbanks in the middle of nowhere were absolutely pristine i've not seen anything like it i've got tingles as i'm talking <laughs> they were absolutely beautiful we borrowed snorkeling equipment and you know that's the, the only time i ever do that is when i'm on holiday so you, you're just playing at it but the water was so shallow and the coral was so beautiful and the fish really abundant um, compared to what I've experienced elsewhere, it was, you could already get a sense of how untouched it was. Mm. And it was, yeah, it's like nothing I'd seen before. And straight away, the the four of us just completely relaxed into it. I mean, the boys were doing, uh, they were they were racing crabs on the beach and putting little racetracks, you know, and as guys do, they always find something to play with. <laughs> And, you know, they're lifting stuff up like it's weights or, you know, whether it's tree trunks and that kind of stuff. But it, it was just us out there. And then occasionally, because the islands often belong to someone, we would have to meet the person that owned the island. So they would come out and say hello um, and just make sure that we weren't, you know, destroying anything or taking things and just keeping it as it was. And some of the islands we had to sign in to say that we'd been there as evidence um you know again i suppose one it's almost like a visitor book but on the other side of it it's if anything happens then it's documented that we've been there as well so yeah we spent that first day just traveling around like that um you know just in our swimwear jumping off the boats um and going into all these little inlets and yeah it was it was absolutely amazing and then we were taken then to the the main island where there was a big house which we later learned you could sleep inside <laughs> if you'd had that conversation. But we had our four little tents <laughs> dotted along the sand. And of course, a storm came in that oh. night, didn't it? So um, we got very wet. Um, so that, and that's the thing with islands. It, it rolls in as quickly as it rolls out. So it was magnificent to watch. But we were quite soggy for those few days. So um, yeah, I certainly hadn't planned that when I'd packed my bags. <laughs> and sure. how did you find that travel agent that sorted all of that out for you? Did you get a recommendation? We literally, no, we literally just walked around. Um, so you've got the main part of Puerto Princesa, which is quite busy and quite surprisingly similar to home. So there's a you know, huge shopping centre with your McDonald's and your pizza places and all your department stores and that kind of thing and then just further out of town it felt more akin to what you expect um, from traveling southeast asia much smaller buildings you know tiny little shops where people also often live as well and so we came out of the town and were just exploring really and seeing what was around and we came across this small travel agent 
and um, just went inside for a chat just to see whether it was possible because we'd heard mixed stories as to whether it was allowed for us as foreigners Mm -hmm. to travel to these islands or not. And it isn't advised that you go off and do it yourself at all, partly because of the permission on the islands, but also what we experienced really was that you have Mm. to know those seas, the way the coral sits and how shallow it is between some of the islands, even the guys that took us out who were fantastic because we had some really rough seas one day and they got caught on something um, and had to spend some time being really gentle with the boat, trying to, to lift it off of it was caught on coral so to lift it off with care you know and they they really experience it that so you you have to go with a boat that's guided not only could you find yourself if you took a boat out yourself where you you know you're stranded or stuck but you could damage coral without meaning to or and yeah I think the second day we were out I found out when we went back to the mainland that there was an earthquake off of the Philippines and so that's why we were experiencing such rough seas and I when I say rough I mean there were points in time where we were sat on the bottom of the boat with the top over the four of us <laughs> trying to stay dry because it was literally just waves were just like literally covering the boat we were soaked through so we, we were kind of thought something was going on but didn't realize there'd been an earthquake so yeah <laughs> we got hit with everything in the first week that must <laughs> be quite fun. scary when you're in in all of that amongst all of those storms yes um I think growing up I've spent a lot of time in Florida during the storm season so I'm used to it in terms of the weather but being on a boat like that and being remote, that, mm. that was the bit that um, certainly made yeah. me feel a bit more vulnerable. Absolutely. But also part, part of the yeah, experience. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Fun. You can look back on it now and think, wow, you know, you, you su- survived all of that. And yeah, that's it. What an amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm purposely not mentioning the names of the islands. And the reason being is that um, one of them is tagged secret spot. You know the name of it when you're there, but you don't want to tell anyone because it's so pristine and so beautiful that you want to keep it secret. And that is also one of the reasons why a lot of people go to the local travel agents to have the trips organised as well, because they are locals that uh, run the trips as well. So what's nice is that you are feeding into the local community by doing it that way. And even, yeah, that's it. And then even when we were on the islands, you know, you're, you're watching even the children working with their parents. Um, seaweed is a huge industry there. So every morning the children are out with their parents and you, you just feel like you're, you're viewing life as it, as it is, but also how you'd like to help them because that's how they're enjoying their life as well. They don't want it to be changed too much. They're, they're happy to invite people in to enjoy it with them, but certainly don't want tourism to take it away from them either so I think that's that's part of why people like to support the secrecy Mm, sure so you were on Palawan for how long were you there for so Palawan we were there for the majority of the trip um so it must have been about three weeks yeah so it was it was a month that um I was away for yeah, so all in all, it was about three weeks. So after we um, travelled the remote islands, we got the boat back and then the transport that had taken us down took us back to Puerto Princesa. 
and then from there we hired a car um, and one of my friends drove us north to El Nido which again was another four and a half to five hour drive so that gives you an idea you know from one end to the other and you're not we weren't we weren't going quite the way to the top that's 10 hours driving so it's um it's a decent size island which I wasn't expecting at all I, I really had in my mind that all the islands in the Philippines would be much smaller. So, and I purposely didn't do too much research because of the year I'd had. I was just like, right, I'm going. I'm going to follow people and we're going to see how this turns out. So um, hiring a car is interesting. We just hired it from a local uh, taxi driver and it's basically his, his car. Um, so we paid him direct. And then, of course, you're in the hands of your friends that are either good drivers or um, interesting drivers. And my friend was certainly <laughs> an interesting driver. So that was probably one of the scarier points of the trip. Um, but again, fun. Um, there was a point when he didn't quite register the shape of a very small bridge. And as we landed on the other side and the, the boot pinged open, I could see my bag all of a sudden. And I'm like, stop! please stop he's like well yeah it's fine so I said no 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 the bags are gonna fly out if you keep going stop let's shut the boot and slow down (laughs) (laughs) and what are the roads like there are they fairly decent or basic yeah they're a real mixture actually um some very good quality roads but when you go through towns there's actually quite a significant amount of work going on so where here we would have signs ample distance ahead to warn you there's not so much of that um so you'll be going from a nice smooth road all of a sudden to gravel and there's not much warning um we drove past uh, new bridges that were being built and so you can see all the insides of these you know the structure of the bridge um and if it's daytime you can see all the hazards, but at night it's not so easy to see. So yeah, it can be a bit hairy. And we met some friends out there actually who were traveling. We met them in, let's think, we met them in El Nido and they had traveled south back down to Puerto Princesa on a scooter. And it had been heavy rain because there was a, a typhoon off the coast. And so if you think of potholes, at a time when there's heavy rain, you don't always see them. And they came off their their scooter and took the skin Ooh. off their legs. So it's it's okay when it's dry and it's sunny. But yeah, the minute you're driving at night or the weather changes, it, it's it's not so comfortable. The roads certainly aren't lit like they are here. So yeah, it's, it's worth mm. thinking about if you're going to hire a vehicle, what time are you going to drive and that sort of thing. And then scooters, I'm never sure about those. No, they always scare me a bit, (laughs) especially when you're abroad, when you don't know the roads, like you say. Mm. And what about stopping for food and things like that along the way? Were there there places to stop? Um, Very hit and miss in that way. So we certainly lived on snacks when we were travelling up in Puerto Princesa, where there had been the big department stores. We didn't see that on the way up, very much on the side of the road, very, you know, scarce, like snack shop type thing. Cooked food as well. Um, very much like low places, so lots of atmosphere, lots of people coming and going. 
and they would be kind of like small hubs as you were going through just literally on the main road so you'd you'd see the town just through driving along the main road so certainly provision the whole way and then even diesel sold in these glass bottles on shelves (laughs) that you just pull into what looks like a service station and grab how many bottles of diesel you need and off you go but yeah certainly very low-key and very local compared to how busy it was in Puerto Princesa. And so you got to, was it El Nido you went to or was it just south? Yeah, so that's what we were aiming for. I'd heard a lot about El Nido. So this is when I'd been daydreaming about places where I'd like to go away before this trip came up. El Nido had been on my radar anyway. And I had been following all sorts of Instagram accounts and you know hashtags and watching videos and was so inspired by the area I was very excited that we were heading up that way and I think when you go on a trip when there's four of you and the way in which we'd come together as well I think any could anything could have happened in terms of people saying actually I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that so I felt that if that happened on the trip and that people wanted to do different things I would always end up in El Nido because I'd have my heart set on it but fortunately all, all of us had the same idea in mind so yeah we headed up there and we split up at that stage so we were on different budgets for accommodation so two people went and stayed in like a, a step up from a hostel if you like um, and then um, with my friend uh, Ben and I we went and stayed in a it was a luxury resort Um, on the seafront which was beautiful like cottages like thatch cottages and yeah that that was stunning really sort of cut off from the main town in one sense but also accessible at the right time so it was on a headland and the name of it was um, Dolorog and it has a road that's being built into it now but didn't at the time so when the tide was out, we were able to walk along the beach into the main town. But when the tide came in, it was cut off. So when we booked it off the cuff, like we did online just before we left uh, Puerto Princesa, the information had said to us that we would be picked up by boat. So because of our previous experience, the boat down in the remote islands, I had to, so we communicated by WhatsApp with the resort to get our timings right and arrange the pickup and um when they came to get us we had it was it was dark by that stage we had our very own little speedboat that took us across the water to our resort and if you imagine um james bond island in thailand the islands in that area jut out of the water in the same way so you know in my head i'm looking at my friend like i feel like a bond girl right now getting picked up by this speedboat flying through these islands into our resort where we were met with a drink it's like yes this is more like it. <laughs> i love adventure but it's also nice to have those treats as well especially after camping on the beach and being rained absolutely on and, yeah that's right I, I mean at this stage if you can imagine i had um i decided it was a good idea to do a headstand on one of the beaches and bearing in mind in the remote island we were washing with a bucket of water I had so much sand and sun cream jammed in the front of my hair (laughs) that I didn't turn up looking the best picture for this place so that first shower that first proper shower was amazing (laughs) (laughs) makes you appreciate it all the more (laughs) it does yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah that that took us up to sort of Christmas time Mm -hmm. Um, I think we arrived on like the 21st of December something like that 
um, and we stayed there for nine days uh, and it was beautiful. I mean, we got very lazy very quickly, um, but it had a pool. Uh, we were able to use kayaks. So we kayaked to the island opposite, which is called Helicopter Island. Um, and again, considering it was a busy Christmas period, it was still relatively quiet. Um, but I suppose the beauty of being able to access something where you're staying at any time you want is that you miss the key times that the tour trips go out. So whilst we paid more to stay there, there were um, use of the kayak um, whenever we wanted to, but also I think three different options for boat tours, which is the same. If you go anywhere in El Nido, you have tour A, B and C, and they split up the circuits. It's kind of like the circuits of the islands, if you like. So each one has, say, four or five different islands included. You have your lunch included. You're going out for a certain amount of time. And it doesn't matter where you go. It's, it's almost like the government have agreed to those three circuits. And where we were staying at Dolorog, those were included with the price, which was nice. Um, but it also meant that when we could jump in the kayak and just potter around the islands close by, we literally had them to ourselves again. So... Yeah, that was that was a really nice experience. And did you do lots of snorkeling around there as well? Yeah, we did. So any of the boat trips, they all give you snorkel gear. Um, and it's it's interesting actually. I, I the environmental impact of that hit me quite hard. I'm I'm very sort of cautious or and considerate of my impact sure. when I'm traveling. And one of the things that alarmed me um when I went on some of the trips, because you see the other boats as well is that what people how people treat wildlife really upsets me sometimes so you know people are picking things up for their photographs and things like that but we're talking about a live um starfish for example people take their photo and then they just throw it in the water no consideration to where it came from or you know anything like that and I, that that kind of thing really bothers me so when i did go out on the organized trips and i'm seeing the other boats and what's going on it just it makes me not want to do those things, which is which is a shame um, because you know people go to these places for how beautiful they are and how pristine they are. Yeah, and it, I really don't understand how they then go and treat it in such inconsiderate ways. It's it's you know it's a privilege to be able to travel to these places. So I think it's you know it's important to take to take care of it and look after it, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, so that, that was the one downside I saw to things. But on the whole, I did find, particularly in the El Nido area, is how environmentally conscious they are. Um, even the big resorts, you know, they, they have uh, mandates for what they are willing to do to look after the environment around them. And the local um, authorities have, you know, gatherings together to make sure that each resort is taking care of their responsibilities to maintain the ecology um, and a lot of the places are called eco resorts as well because of that so they have limited electricity sometimes or you know the, the, the ways the way they do things um, is in keeping with the environment rather than against it which is really nice and one of the things that I thought was fantastic on the beaches in particular is that you are only allowed to smoke in designated areas and you will be pulled up by the police if you're smoking somewhere that isn't a designated area. Um, and you'll get on-the-spot fines if you throw cigarette butts and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, the, the environmental consideration by the people that live there and, you know, that call it home and they're from there was fantastic. But some of the tourists are just, yeah, mm -hmm. a bit questionable, which is a real shame. 
I guess you get that everywhere you go, absolutely. unfortunately, us humans. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But it, it was so nice that, um, you know, the, the, the locals are so passionate about keeping mm. their home as it should be, which is nice. Yeah, that's really great to hear as well. Mm. Really great. And that even the tourism aspect of it all, they're still taking that on board and really trying hard, yeah. like you say, and pulling people up on it. That's really great. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you do over Christmas? So over Christmas, um, we had lovely things put on at Dollarog where we were staying. Um, but there's an area called uh, Vanilla Beach. Now, it's interesting. The evolution that I heard about Vanilla Beach was quite interesting because um, there was, I'm trying to explain what it's called. So Vanilla Beach is almost the name of a precinct that's been built by the beach. So it's cafes, restaurants, um, shops, that kind of thing. And that's been called Vanilla Beach. Now, because the local name was so difficult to pronounce, it's now just become known as Vanilla Beach. And I think that has happened quite recently. Um, and so that area on the whole is quite new. Um, and a lot of the bars and restaurants there are, are quite um, up and coming. Um, there was one in particular I really liked. Now, bearing in mind, I love traveling with the guys. A girl needs some time on her own sometimes. And I had, I had had my eye on this restaurant called The Nesting Table, which I knew was going to be a bit tricky to find. It was high up in the hills, sort of behind where I was staying. So I had to, first of all, go out when the tide was out so I could get there and back and then find it up through the trees. And it was absolutely beautiful. So The Nesting Table is a lovely little restaurant, but it also has um, accommodation there and so the accommodation part of it is called the birdhouse but they also have like a, a yoga studio up there as well so I had all best intentions of doing a yoga class as well because I'm a yoga teacher and I thought yeah that'd be really nice to do it somewhere different but the view from the cafe was so beautiful that it required a couple of beers and a nice long lunch <laughs> that's what I did there and the food was delicious, but it was, it's my favourite view of anywhere that we went. The view is stunning. So you see all across the Bay of El Nido, you're high, where a lot of the other places are beach level or street level, which is, isn't much higher than the beach. So this being up in the trees. Um, but if someone was to go, just, just to warn you, they are bamboo steps. And when it's hot and humid, you get quite sweaty walking up them. I can't do anything slowly. I highly recommend walking up them slowly otherwise you're just dripping with sweat when you get to the top but it's well worth it when you get you there. don't need a yoga class when you get to the top because you're so worn out no that's right yeah you just need cold beer <laughs> sounds like you deserved it <laughs> but it's beautiful it was just a highly recommended nesting table stunning wow. stunning view thank really you for lovely. that that's really interesting and did you see some amazing wildlife i imagine there's some great wildlife in the philippines only in the water so um ah. sink so turtles down, down if i go back to the remote islands we islands we saw um sea turtles starfish there's one sandbank that is surrounded by starfish um and they're quite different to anything i've seen before as well i think because the water's so shallow and there aren't any rock pools and so they're more exposed to the sun they were very hard on the top and almost um I almost thought of like you know, the surface of the moon or, or them being like rock themselves. So they look spiky, um, but the spikes are actually smooth. So they're not rough to our hand or anything like that. But they were in such abundance. It was incredible. 
um, saw giant clams down there as well. Um, that's the first time I'd seen those. Um, and mm. then up in El Nido on the snorkeling trips, yeah, lots of fish, varieties of fish. We went on one trip, which was kayaking through a lagoon and I could see, um, I saw two baby sharks in there. Um, mm. Yeah, lots of lots of sea wildlife, um, but not so much on the land. But particularly in El Nido, you tend to spend all your time around the beach or in the water. Of course. Um, yeah. So yeah, I didn't I didn't venture inland too much. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure that uh, if you were to go on a bit of an adventure like that, you would certainly certainly. Mm. Um, we made lots of friends with dogs. Dogs loved us. We love them. So yeah, lots of lots of friends with dogs, which is cool. <laughs> and how was actual Christmas Day? Did they lay anything on? They did. It was lovely. So they had um, a singer that um, stayed for a couple of days. So there were three nights. I think he he sang round by the poolside. But on Christmas Eve. We, where we'd had um, our regular eating area, if you like, they moved all the tables and chairs on the lawn around the pool. So it was all lit up, lovely, all candle lit. Um, and the food at the Dolorog was exceptional anyway, but, uh, and, and so much of it as well. But um, yeah, they made Christmas really special, decorated the area. They celebrate the, uh, Christmas quite a lot. So even back when we were in quite a princessa early on, so huge Christmas tree outside the shopping centre people inside singing christmas carols or the shops done out for christmas yeah there's, there's there's a lot for christmas there um and i had bought little presents for the boys so i made it christmasy for them um and there were some you know the families where we were staying as well bought presents for their children over the christmas period so yeah it felt very festive which was nice mm, that's great and again new year what did yeah. you do for new year's so New Year's, as I said, we were quite lazy on the whole where we were staying and just enjoying relaxing and, and you know, being in the water around us. But New Year's, we went, there's two parts to El Nido. You've got the vanilla beach and then you've got the main town of El Nido, which is just a bit further north. Mm -hmm. And that's where the port is. So if you wanted to go off to any of the other islands, as we did later on, you've got the port for the ferries to those other islands. And so there's m many more people coming and going. Um, much more accommodation it's more bustling at night so um, my friend and I had jumped in a tuk-tuk one day and we went there to meet our friends and miss them actually and we were like oh there's not much going on here is there we went back at night and it was bustling <laughs> so El Nido town itself is where you know you've got the abundance of restaurants and entertainment and even gyms that people use while they're away and um lots of shops you know that's where the life is that's where more of the backpackers are and where more there's more of a range of accommodation i'd say where we were staying was probably the southernmost part of el nido so to go into the main town where the port is that's that's where you get a feel for um el nido as most people would know it and then that's also where there would be if you wanted to go on elsewhere and book things you'd have more travel agents there and just generally speaking, more information, um, because we were in more of a resort town, there's not, you know, the people where, at the resort where you're staying give you information. Mm. You know what it's like when you're traveling, if you, if you want to find out the ins and outs of all sorts, it's good to go to a busier town. So sure. that's where it's at, really. So yeah, we went there for New Year's and it was absolutely alive. There were parties everywhere. And we found ourselves at a backpackers, which we literally stumbled into but um the name of it i don't know but if if anyone 
goes to El Nido and is just, you know, wandering around. It has bamboo on the outside. It's on a big corner. There's bamboo on the outside and it's, it's huge. It's got five floors to it. <laughs> and we just went in there for some drinks and then just literally someone shouted, right, everyone to the rooftop. So after quite a few drinks, we clambered up the five flights of stairs to this rooftop and needed a rest first. <laughs> and, uh, and then the views from up there were fantastic. So we could see over El Nido in all directions which meant that at midnight when they um, set off the fireworks, we got the best view. Um, and again, none of it was planned. So it was just really spontaneous fun. Um, but we got rewarded well. And you can imagine it's New Year's, all emotional. We've been traveling together for a while. It had worked out quite well. You never know how these things are going to go. <laughs> yeah. um, lots of teary heart to hearts. Um, and yes, there was a pool on the rooftop, which I, of course, got pushed in with traveling with three boys. They thought that was hilarious, despite the fact that I was dressed up in sequins for the New Year. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the only person in LA they dressed up in sequins. I was like, it's New Year's. I'm dressing up. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so yes, they were wet sequins by the end of the night as I got pushed in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all good fun oh brilliant sounds like so, yeah. a really good night <laughs> yeah no it was it was fantastic and there's just plenty to do there it's just yeah it was quite an eye-opener for me it made me realize how lazy I had been for the rest of the trip but it was it was nice to have the variety as well and we met we met new people that night and yeah it was great sure and then what did you do after new year's so after New Year's, um, we, we had a day to recover. And then on the 2nd of January, um, where I was talking about the port, where you can get the ferry to other islands, we booked on to one of those and we went over. To now, the reason we went there is because they have deep freshwater lagoons. So in El Nido, you have beautiful lagoons, but they're seawater. And it's a little bit of a contrast from boating around the islands, but not too much. Whereas the ones in Caron, the water is so clear. So you sit on the edge and you can see down for miles. Um, wow. And that, that was the appeal for us, as well as being able to go to some other um, beaches via the boat trips that you can take out in the same way as you can in El Nido. So on the first day, um, we got the ferry across. That was roughly four hours. Um, we had a problem with our ferry, actually. It, um, the rudder got caught on something. So we had to return and go back. So my trip was unfortunately longer than four hours, but on average, it's about four. Um, obviously, depending on the seas, things can change as well. There are a couple of different companies that you can book the ferries with. Now, depending on how seasick you get, I highly recommend booking the ferry that you can stand on the upper deck. Everyone was feeling rough on our ferry and our friends uh, traveled in, I think one that left three or four hours prior to us. And so we were getting messages from them and they were on a boat where they couldn't get outside and they said it was horrific. Now mm. I felt quite queasy because the sea was quite rough. So I literally spent probably three and a half hours of that journey up on the top deck literally at the front I kept looking and smiling at the captain with the wave, waves in my hair my friend was like it's not the Titanic you know but it was the only <laughs> thing that kept me straight otherwise I would have felt I, I would have been ill um so my, my legs got a good workout standing up there for three and a half hours but it was a lovely way to see things as well and as you leave El Nido um on the right hand side you see Nakpan Beach 
Um, and that was a day trip that we had done when we were still staying in El Nido. And that was one of my favorite beaches. Um, and the, I think partly because of the contrast. So everything is so quiet and still everywhere because it's waters around islands, whereas it opens up a bit there and you get amazing waves come in at Nakapan Beach. And the beach itself is wider. Um, I don't know, the sand is just beautiful. It's golden. It's just very different to the other areas. Um, and it was, it's got a bit of life there still as well. So you can buy lunch and, you know, like buy your freshing drinks and um, coconuts and that sort of thing as well. But if you can stay the day and stay there until sunset as well, the sunset was absolutely magical there. It just had a very different glow to everywhere else that I was. And there is accommodation in that area as well. So people can stay there. There's a backpackers and then there's also a range from there up in accommodation as well. So it's quite the variety. We only didn't stay there because we were, this, as, as we approached Christmas, that's when it got harder to book things off the cuff because obviously things people have booked out for months in advance. Um, so the choices that we had were a bit more limited. Um, but Nakpan Beach, look, it was it was absolutely beautiful. I really enjoyed it and quite different. So you pass that as you get the ferry up and out towards um, Caron. And then on our first day in Caron, we booked, uh, my friend Ben actually fell ill and we had booked um, a boat to take us out to an island. And once I checked in with him and he was okay and stuff like that, I was like, are you sure you want me to leave? He's like, yeah, go have fun. So I went out with the boys that day. Um, and we just, again, very similar to before. We didn't have it this time. We could have done, but we just we just chose to take our own things. And um, just spent the day on this gorgeous little inlet. And again, the water's just so clear everywhere and so clean. You just, you get to a point where it feels like you are in the film The Beach. And just like you, you just don't <laughs> care about too much anymore. You're just happy to float around. I'm normally so much more adventurous on trips, but I was just really happy to sit back and absorb a lot of what was around me. It was so beautiful. Um, so we had yeah. that day trip there. And then I went home that evening and I came down with the same stomach bug. So unfortunately, uh, that beautiful lagoon that I had been looking at online for months and months on end stayed out of my grasp. The two of the guys went and they said it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, I think the only downside was they had clownfish charging at them and nipping oh. at them. <laughs> so apparently they get quite territorial, which I didn't know about. Oh, Yeah, so I, I saw some very funny footage two days later of one of them who doesn't like the water that much anyway trying to get away from these clownfish that were nipping at him <laughs> underneath the water, which made me feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we were just very unfortunate. We have no idea what was wrong with us, but um, by the time I got back to England, I had lost five kilos. Oh, wow. So, yeah, partly eating healthier over the trip overall, but definitely the last few days, it, um, yeah, certainly, certainly reduced my uh, average body weight by a lot. Yes. So that was really that was really unfortunate um, because yeah I'd literally had my uh, heart set on going to those lagoons. Yeah, that's a shame. But you did see a, a, some amazing scenery, I guess, from from what you've said. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And also in in Koron itself, they have um, a mountain or a hill, I suppose. It's a small mountain that you can walk up. So the steps the whole way up, and it has a sign at the top, almost looks a little bit like the Hollywood sign. 
Um, so yeah, if you are feeling active, that's well worth doing. Um, and again, you know, we, we're such spontaneous people, you know, it's really clever idea to go at like two o'clock in the afternoon, isn't it? When it's sweltering, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what we did. Um, but the steps come down to, um, a few shops and things so you can buy, you know, more water and more supplies to revive you afterwards but yeah that's that's well worth it the view up from up there is beautiful great and so then from Caron you went back to Manila yeah back to Manila again just one night there um just mostly because of our flight times so just to have one night's sleep I think I was the the first one to leave at like six in the morning and the and the guys left later that day so we literally just, uh, for that one, we just used Airbnb and booked an apartment for us all to get our heads down for the evening. Perfect. And just kind of talked about the trip that had been. Oh, amazing. It's amazing how quickly it passed. But yeah, it's, it was phenomenal. I loved it. I'd love to go back. Brilliant. And so did you have any negative experience that you haven't talked about from the trip? Um, only amongst ourselves. You know, when you're travelling for a month, there's always disagreements. And, and I think that's crucial to allow that. Um, and also allow, you know, how I said before, like if we decided we wanted to do different things, I always felt like I was going to El Nido with or without them. Um, I think it's good to have that sort of agreed between you that you don't have to stay in each other's pockets. You know, you're all adults. So if you feel like doing different things, then go ahead and do it. You know, don't, don't feel bad about the others and enjoy that. But yeah, nothing, nothing from, um, our experiences on the road or anything like that the only thing I would say is sometimes it's difficult to see how nice the accommodation is or some of the issues with cleanliness and that sort of thing on the whole I was really impressed with cleanliness um like quite surprised actually of the quality of cleanliness for you know the price that we paid for some places there was only one um accommodation we went to where they were doing lots of renovations so there was lots of um lots of the building materials actually in the hotel but um other than that yeah no not at all and I think where some might see it as a downside I saw the positive of there not always being wi-fi everywhere mm. so it's you know if you are trying to book things on the fly as we were it does make things difficult if you're somewhere with no or sketchy wi-fi sure um but on the whole it was really nice to have a break from it um, and I, I sincerely felt like it was the first time in a very long time that my whole nervous system completely relaxed, you know, and you literally just shut off from everything. It's lovely. Mm, brilliant. And is there anything you'd change about your trip? Um, I think really next time. So if I was to do it again, I'd like to book more accommodation ahead of time. Um, one to keep costs down, but also you, you're not having to worry about it. Um, you know, when we were doing the short hops from place to place, you're actually online looking for accommodation every couple of days, which is not what you want to be doing on holiday. Mm. Um, so I would prefer to plan more of that ahead next time. I think because there were four of us that, you know, we're not a close knit group in terms of the four of us together. It was OK to keep it that loose. Um, but yeah, in future, to make the most of things, I'd, I'd like to book more in advance, keep the costs down. But also it just means that you're doing less when you're away as well. Sure. Yeah, I think I, I took far too much clothing. <laughs> I, I had visions of um, me dressed up in all these outfits. And of course, you're in bikinis for most of nearly every day. Um, and where we stayed gave me a nice opportunity to dress up over Christmas and things like that. But, you know, highly unnecessary 
in terms of the volume that I took with me. And also I bought snorkel gear before I went and I really didn't need to. It's plenty to borrow, you know, unless you're a really experienced, extensive snorkeler and wants, want to get the most out of it. If you're just going for fun like I was, then all the equipment I borrowed was just fine. Some of it was better than what I bought, actually. So a um, bit of a waste of money there. Um, just trying to think if there were things that... Uh, I mean, I took the kitchen sink, so I had everything, you know, <laughs> all the insect, insect repellent, really important. Um, you know, it's, it's high on the list anyway for countries like that. But for a month, you, you definitely need more than you realise. Um, mm. Myself and one of the other guys in particular, we got bitten quite a bit, um, which again was normal for me to travel to Southeast Asia and get bitten. Um, but yeah, I certainly need to take more supplies. But you, you can get everything you need. It's just, again, if you, if you can take it with you, it just saves that time hunting around. Um, you know, mm. on holiday, it's much easier to go to pick it up here um, before you travel than it is going on in search for it when you're away. And one of the things, say, so one of the things I really recommend buying is that um, they're like waterproof bags. I don't know, what, almost like a duffel bag. And they're self-sealing. And you just turn the top of them over and I think um, divers and snorkelers use them. I bought one here, but they're so cheap there. Yeah. Um, and they literally float on top of the water. And I was a bit dubious because they were cheap. Is this one going to work? But literally one fell off the back of my kayak at one point and it just bobbed on the surface and kept all my things dry. Um, and because you are in the island so much and you are around water all the time. Yeah, that waterproof bag was brilliant. So even when you're doing like the snorkeling trips and you're jumping off the back of the boat, you can throw the bag into the water ahead of you. Um, and, you know, you don't have to worry about your belongings. So highly recommend buying one of those when you're there. Mm, brilliant. And what was the most memorable part of your of the trip for you? And what was the most favourite part of the trip? Oh, I think my favourite part was um, kayaking over to Helicopter Island. And I should say, actually, some of the islands around that area, it's good to be careful because some of them are actually private and people live there. Um, I was quite surprised, the foreigners that live there. We had, I think it was an American lady that was shouting at us to get off the beach because it's private. Um, so, yeah, that, that was uh, quite an eye opener. Um, so, yeah, it's being, being careful and considerate about the, you know, the land that you're about to step on. Is it private or is it accessible? That kind of thing. But, yeah, Helicopter Island, that was my favourite. Um, and then I think the most memorable really were the remote islands in the south and in particular just just the sea life that I hadn't seen before um and just seeing that many starfish in abundance like I've seen a lot in one sitting if you like but yeah it was phenomenal how much were down there and how that they just sort of gravitated around this single sandbar it was incredible mm, amazing yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, and do you have any recommendations that you haven't mentioned for future travellers? Um, think. I think really with the boat trips, um, I did a lot of research beforehand in terms of um, the island trips just on YouTube. Uh, literally just Google what's the best boat trips um, in El Nido just to get people's experiences. There's so many vloggers that have been there now, um, just to get their impression. You know, if you're just going to do one, which one did they get the most out of and why? Because, of course, we're all different in terms of what we want out of our experiences. Mm. Um, so I did two of the boat trips, um, and one of them 
was really special and the other one was just okay um and so i i think you know if you're going to spend your money on the boat trips do some research first find out what people liked um and then also just remember how spread out the philippines are we had a month so we had a lot of time to be able to explore so if you've only got 10 days or you know two weeks as much as possible i think plan ahead um we had we had the beauty of being able to do it in a spontaneous way because we had more time so if you are time limited definitely plan ahead um and i in future i would um fly to Caron from el nido rather than get the ferry because i felt so hideous on that trip <laughs> i'd really rather avoid that next time and again if you're time limited it's quicker to fly than it is to get the ferry i, f- I felt like i lost a day by doing that yeah of course well if it's four hours mm. i guess by the time you've got there and all the rest of it that's a good recommendation yeah Great. And do you have plans for where you would like to go next? Well, it's interesting times at the moment, isn't it? I always have Mm. a plan of where I'm going to next. And this is the first time I don't have anything booked for years. So um, I did go to Budapest in March, early March, um, before we went into lockdown. But um, yeah, I'm fortunate that I've got um, family have a place in Florida. So that might be the easy option going forward depending on how things change but yeah if if a christmas trip is at all on the cards then i I potentially go back to el nido i enjoyed it that much but in terms of aspirational travel then south america is Mm. next on the cards for me i've not so i have two continents left i have south america and antarctica so i think south america will be the easier one to arrange but yeah, who knows at the moment? That might have to be 2021. You'll have to listen to the Antarctica episode. That oh, I fantastic. Had. <laughs> I had one episode four and then I've got another one, episode seven as well. Both Antarctica. Oh, lovely. I'll definitely listen to that. So I know you have a few interesting projects going on. Can you tell us about your writing and a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I've published two children's books and they are adventure stories, which absolutely come out of my adventures. So the first one was The Adventures of Benjamin Frank and the second was The Powers of Benjamin Frank. And they were, again, completely unplanned books. My parents have recently moved back from Canada after living there for 12 years. Um, but when they were living there, I went to stay with them one Christmas with the idea of writing a romantic novel and somehow ended up writing a children's book. So yeah, it was a path that I hadn't planned, but it's been fantastic. I've worked in schools now. I've been the ambassador of reading in my former primary school and I do book week. So all unexpected things that have turned out brilliantly. Um, and then I've also, um, I teach yoga. So during lockdown, I've been doing online classes for free so that people can stay mobile at home. And I'm just gradually winding those down now. And um, I've also trained as a life coach. So I work as an empowerment coach. And as part of that, I've written a book called The Bitch Pad, which I'm currently editing. And I set up the Instagram account to go along with that. It's also called The Bitch Pad. And I'm going to release my website soon. And then hopefully a podcast will follow. So lots of things going on in there. And that's for women. That's an empowerment. The book is almost like an empowerment tool to go along with my coaching. And that includes um, 
story, but also inquiry and meditations because I record meditations and um, post those to YouTube as well. So, yes, definitely like to mix it up and spontaneity and adventure are definitely key elements to my life, which is a bit strange at the moment. You know, you're adventuring to the high street and... Mm. (laughs) to get some supplies (laughs) and running back again so it's a bit different at the moment (laughs) brilliant and then your friend has a travel account can you tell us about that that you wanted to mention yes so my friend is a teacher she works with um children with special educational needs and as part of that she wanted to start up something that was fun for the children she works with while she continues to travel and that's called rubber ducky travels so she's got her little rubber duck friend and he goes everywhere with her on every trip that she's been on and she has another friend that makes things for this duck so this duck has all sorts of outfits um you know every time she's going somewhere this friend makes something appropriate for that country that the duck is going to so yeah if uh, if you have children that love travel or you want to inspire them definitely rubber ducky travel is fantastic <laughs> Brilliant. And I'll link to those accounts in the show notes as well so people can find you. Well, thanks so much, Marie, for chatting with us. It's been so interesting hearing about your trip. Really inspiring. Oh, good. Oh, good. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Marie's trip certainly inspired me to look at travelling to the Philippines. Her description of the crystal clear waters and beautiful scenery is idyllic and sounds just like the Instagram-worthy tropical paradise we could all do with right now. Speaking of Instagram, you can also see more of her trip over on my feed, so don't forget to join in the conversation there too, because I love to hear from you. You can find me over at Trip Report Podcast. I promise you don't want to miss seeing the nesting table cafe she mentioned too. Next week on the podcast, I'm chatting with not one, but two travellers. Silk and Kieran went on an around-the-world trip, including Asia and India, and had to cut their travel short due to COVID. They chatted with me about travelling on a shoestring budget and how they funded their travels whilst on the road. Their trip will be a two-parter with the second episode dropping shortly after the first. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss their epic travels. Until then, travel well and travel safe.